My name is Velma Vouloir, and you are listening to Controversy. Hello there. Welcome back to Controversy, the greatest podcast of absolutely all time, right? (laughs) You like it. I like it. You keep coming back for more. I keep making it. We've got great little relationship going, don't we? You know this voice by now, but hey, it's me, your host, Velma, throwing out another episode for you. And you are loving the last episode so far. Whores of Little Lon had such a good time presenting that one to you all. Love a little bit of hometown history and so great getting some feedback for those of you overseas saying how much you enjoyed the insight into that time in Australia. So you're so damn welcome. Always a pleasure. And when this lockdown is over, I'm happy to meet up with any locals who want to go get a drink at Little Lon Distillery Company and raise a glass to Yokohama. So in local news, for those that are in on what's going on here in Victoria at the minute, we're still in lockdown. Some of the restrictions have just lifted as of today, which is awesome. I think schools are back in person. I think some restaurants and cafes are back with density restrictions. However, a lot of things are still closed including dance schools. So that means still no back to work for me just yet. Gigs are still off for now. So I speak for a lot of performers and artists and small business owners right now when I say that we are struggling big time right now. And this situation is really, really difficult. Some of my close performer friends haven't had any income for more than a year now. And I'm incredibly lucky that I have had some performing work and teaching work again this year. However, we're kind of just getting back into the swing of things and then everything stops again. Um, Yes, I don't want to go on about it too much because, uh, look, worldwide, I know we're sick of talking about it. It's affected everyone. And I know that the most important thing is that everyone stays safe and does the right thing. I have zero issues on that front. It's just more so that our government keeps announcing these small business grants or COVID relief payments and people like myself uh, who earn less than $75,000 a year, which is almost every performing artist and teacher out there, uh, we get nothing. So fuck. So what I'm trying to say is uh, please check on your self-employed friends and creatives and small business owners right now. And if you have the means to buy something from them or send them a tip for some groceries or even, you know, share their business pages and information with those that you know, whatever you can do to help people who are losing income right now and whatever you can do to keep them going, it will be so, so appreciated. And yes, on that note, thank you to everyone who's reached out and checked in on me. I love you all so much. Last episode, I was feeling pretty rough and I was talking a lot about my executive dysfunction and how I was disassociating loads. This week, it's kind of morphed into restless anxiety and rage. (laughs) 
So there's that. I mean, I'm more energetic. So that's good, right? I'm just in a tough place. I'm in a frustrated place as so many of us are right now. And I'm just mad that the government isn't doing enough to help those who really need it. Uh, But yeah, before I get too ranty, as I tend to do sometimes, my point, my point was to say thank you. And also please keep sending me cat videos because they're awesome. And I thank you for those very much. If you would like to donate to myself or the show, you can PayPal or Beam it to me. Um, My username is at Velma Vouloir. You can join the Controversy Patreon for special exclusives and behind the scenes and extra bonuses, which I will be updating very shortly for all you current patrons out there. Patrons? Yes, patrons. There's exciting things coming your way. And a big shout out to our new patrons, Bianca and Carly and Sammy and Raina and Amanda. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are really, yeah, what keeps this show going for now. It's it's awesome. And I just can't thank you enough. And for everyone, please don't forget, you can buy merch. We've still got enamel pins for sale. They're $12. And as I mentioned in last week's episode, we have t-shirts for pre-order. So, so, so stoked for these t-shirts. You're going to love them. Please get in touch if you want one. You can email me, you can DM me, you can message me, whatever. However you can get in touch with me, you can do it that way. They're $50, including Australian shipping. And I'll have the pre-order going for a couple more weeks. Look, I know that, like I've just mentioned, a lot of people are really struggling financially at the moment. So if that's the case for you, let me know. I'm more than happy for you to even just pay a deposit to lock in your shirt, like a little kind of promise deposit. And then you can pay the rest later if that helps. Check out the socials for all the sizing details and the information on those. I can't wait to see you all wearing them. Gonna be so good. So let's get straight into it because I don't have any more time to waste. Um, You know, I've got more cat videos and walls to stare at. So this week's episode is to honor and share the life of one of my most favorite showgirls and artists who isn't all that known. And she absolutely deserves to be a household name, in my humble opinion. She was a huge sex symbol, particularly in France throughout the 50s and 60s. She was a cabaret singer, a burlesque showgirl, a stripteaser, a model, a fashion icon, a pinup and an activist who literally rewrote history and changed French law for the rights of trans people. She's an absolute trans rights pioneer. And I'm talking about an incredible, an absolutely incredible woman, Jacqueline Charlotte Dufresnoy, also known as Coccinelle. Now, I first came upon Coccinelle and the legacy of Coccinelle, Lord, nearly 10 years ago when I was living in Paris. And there was this dingy little coffee bar near my apartment that was just constantly full of like 70 year old men just chain smoking inside, even though the smoking laws had changed by then, but they didn't give a shit. Uh, So I used to go there on my way to work because the coffee was cheap. 
and it was always quiet. And also because they had all of these beautiful black and white magazine clippings of pinups and bosomy women in frames on one of the walls, which I loved. And there were a few familiar faces on the wall. There was like Mamie Van Doren and Bridget Bardot, but plenty that I was not familiar with at all. And eventually the old guy who worked there started telling me some of their names. He knew them all by name. And one was Coxinelle. I still remember the photo of her on the wall. It was so uh, like 50s pinup, um, blonde bombshell. She was topless and kind of covering herself with a like a dress or a negligee or something. I think she was laying on like a bed, you know, it was very aloof and sex kidney. Anyway, so that prompted me to look into her and find out more about her. And like I said, this was years and years ago, but she popped back into my head the other day and I thought I've got to tell you about her. So let's meet Coxinelle. Sources for today's episode come from Laura Darling's research from makingqueerhistory.com, Perron Pierre's Coccinelle obituary from The Independent in October 2006, Julia Carpenter's blog A Woman to Know, and also a gender variance who's who at zagria.blogspot.com. And honestly, I wish there was more info out there. She does have some autobiographies that I haven't been able to get a hold of and that I don't think have been translated into English, but I will try and get my hand on those. But yeah, other than that, there's not a whole lot of historical info about her. There's definitely a lot of sort of tabloid sensationalism about her, but I will give you what I've got. So assigned male at birth, Jacqueline was born on the 23rd of August in 1931 in Paris at Rue Notre-Dame de Nazareth numéro 66 in the 3rd arrondissement of Paris, which is also known as Le Marais, which if you've ever been to Paris, chances are you've been there. It's right in the middle of town, just next to Notre-Dame. It's now known as sort of the queer district. It's very arty. There's beautiful shops and cafes. There's loads of gay nightclubs. It's one of the oldest parts of the city. And in the 1930s, it was home to a very large Jewish community prior to World War II. And now not much is known about Jacqueline's family other than her mother was a flower trader. She sold flowers and also that Jacqueline had a really wonderful relationship with her family. So Jacqueline said herself that she knew she was transgender from a very young age. And she once said, as a boy at age four, I knew I was different. I was a girl, really, but nobody could see it. And with this very supportive family, she didn't waste much time working to find a gender expression that suited her well. She dyed her hair white blonde as soon as she was able and proudly experimented with makeup and wearing beautiful women's fashions. In her late teens, just after World War II, she attended a fancy dress party wearing a red dress with black polka dots to impersonate a ladybird or a ladybug if you're in the US. And in France, a ladybird is called a coccinelle. And that name stuck and she would continue to use this name as a performer for the rest of her life. And before I continue, I just wanted to take a moment 
to really understand where we are in time. This is the 1940s. Now, trans and non-binary persons have existed since the beginning of time. We know this. However, what we also know, because it's something that we're still fighting for today, is that trans communities and lives have long suffered persecution and mistreatment in patriarchal society. Now, France is actually one of the more advanced countries in regards to LGBT rights and law. However, these communities were absolutely still marginalized and grossly mistreated. The first French Revolution actually decriminalized homosexuality in 1791, where it was said that same-sex relations are perfectly legal as long as conducted in privacy. Still, however, homosexuality and cross-dressing were widely seen as being immoral, despite not being illegal, and LGBT people were still subjected to legal harassment under various laws concerning public morality and order. So it's somewhat similar to what I was talking about last week, where for sex workers in Little Lon in early Melbourne, while it was legal to be a sex worker, vagrancy and indecent conduct were illegal. So sex workers were largely prosecuted under those charges. So here, whilst the physical act of homosexuality in private was legal during the 1940s, you could be arrested for immorality or indecency. Now, during Jacqueline's childhood and teen years, we have a fucking horrible period. We have the occupation of Nazi Germany, of course, where alongside Jewish communities, thousands of LGBT people were persecuted and interned in concentration camps. And as well, during the same time in France, we have a political period known as the Vichy regime. And the Vichy regime was a highly conservative government. They were independent allies of Nazi Germany. They made divorce illegal. Abortion was made a capital offense punishable by death. Just a really, yeah, really conservative fucked up time and despite there being no laws that criminalized homosexuality the queer community was horrifically persecuted without any legal consequence during this time so this is all going on while Jacqueline is growing up she's witnessing this firsthand she understands the risks and yet she stays true to herself does what she likes she dresses how she likes and through this she's still a kid you know she's not even in her 20s yet Jacqueline was actually discharged from the army conscription after just six days because her presence caused disruption. That's the official statement. And from the age of 18 to 25, Coxinelle received a large allowance and was looked after by a very important politician whose name she always kept secret. So in her early 20s, she begins working at a drag cabaret venue called Madame Arthur, which was one of the places that her mother sold flowers. Jacqueline was a beautiful singer and gained notoriety when she performed an act singing the song Premier Rendezvous, which was a song from a very famous 1941 film by Henri Decoin, starring a very famous actress, Danielle Darieux. Um, she was one of the biggest silver screen French actresses of all time. And so this film is about a beautiful starlet ingenue who replies to a classified ad to meet a would-be suitor, a gentleman. So performing this song is quite risque as from the perspective of 
conservatives and most people at the time, you have a man singing a song about meeting up with another man for a rendezvous and singing this song in public, expressing these desires in public was right on the line of what you could be arrested for. And she really played into that. And then of course, she's very talented. She's charming. She's funny. And people really loved her and continued to fall in love with her. It was during this time that she also began hormone therapy, which had been developed Decades prior, however, it was very difficult to come by and was also very expensive. So after rave reviews and gaining a lot of popularity, Jacqueline Coccinelle moved to the Carousel in Paris, which is still there in Pigalle today. It's one of Paris's leading music hall venues. And it was here that Jacqueline started assuming the blonde bombshell looks of Marilyn Monroe and Bridget Bardot. And that's really what she looks like. You know, it's the blonde hair for her is so iconic. She has that huge mop of sort of tousled white blonde curls, the bedroom eyes, the full lips, just a total goddess sex kitten, 100%. However, despite this fame in Paris, Jacqueline said that she remained unhappy. And she said... I felt like I was not so much a transsexual as a person in transit between the sexes. Then in 1958, Jacqueline was given the opportunity to travel to Casablanca in Morocco and meet with Dr. Georges Bureau, who was a very progressive gynecologist who offered to perform a new, more modern version of a sex reassignment for Jacqueline. She accepted and underwent the procedure. She says of her surgery... Dr. Bureau rectified the mistake nature had made, and I became a real woman on the inside as well as the outside. After the operation, the doctor just said, Bonjour, mademoiselle, meaning hello, miss. And I knew it had been a success. Coccinelle was the first French citizen to have ever had the procedure. This surgery was a turning point not only in her personal life, but in her professional life as well. And most practically, she mentioned, I was the first French person to have a sex change. Incredible, but true. And it meant I could no longer be arrested by the vice squad for impersonating a woman. When she returned to Paris, she was the talk of the city. Her shows were booked out. She was modeling. She was in magazines. She was really celebrated as this huge sex symbol all over France. She continued to sing and dance at the carousel, but she also began working at Le Lido, which is one of the oldest and most notorious grand cabaret houses in the world. She was an absolute star. Now, In 1960, she made history again when she married a sports journalist named Frances Bonnet. She wanted to have a Catholic church wedding, and so she petitioned the church to allow this to happen. And she did it. She actually did it. And the law was changed for this very reason, so that she could marry Frances Bonnet, and so trans people could marry their cis partner. And that is a huge deal and just 
absolutely incredible. She worked so hard for that and she got it. And the only requirement for this marriage to go ahead was that she had to be rebaptized again as Jacqueline, as opposed to her given birth name, which she gladly did. She got her beautiful church wedding. She was given away by her dad. She says it was a gorgeous day. And their church wedding made legal and religious history. And this was not just a personal development, though. It was one that opened the doors for all trans people who came after her. She became an absolute media sensation and topped the bill with her burlesque and cabaret review Chercher la Femme, which ran for seven months at the Olympia Theatre in Paris between 1963 and 1964. Coxinelle entertained audiences all over the world, including in the USA, South America, Canada, Europe, the UK and Australia, and appeared in many European feature films, documentaries and television shows. She had many close celebrity friends, including including the likes of Edith Piaf, Juliette Greco, Joan Collins, and Bob Hope. Coxinelle divorced her first husband two years after their marriage. Her second husband was Mario Costa, a Paraguayan dancer, who then wrote her biography, Coxinelle et Louis, in 1963. A second biography by the American author Carlson Wade came out shortly afterwards. Mario and Jacqueline were together until his death in 1977. And then Jacqueline would go on to marry one more time, her final husband being a trans man named Terry Wilson. From 1978 to 1987, she lived in West Germany performing cabaret, including at Rummy Hag's Club in Berlin, which is very famous. And at this point, she also brought out her third biography, this time written by herself. So Coxinelle and Terry from the 90s onwards worked together as trans activists and they created the organization Devenir Femme, which in English translates to to become woman. The organization worked to provide emotional and practical support for people going through transition. She was also a huge part of the Center for AIDS Research and Information for Transsexuality and Gender Identity. In 2004, Coxinelle released a compilation CD, also called Chercher la Femme, full of the big numbers she used to perform at the Carousel, at L'Alcazar, and at Lolido. From 2002 to 2005, she operated her own small traditional French cabaret in Marseille. In July of 2006, Coxinelle was hospitalized after suffering a stroke. She passed away on the 6th of October in Marseille at age 75. She's so spectacular because she was able to make a change not just through her public life as a performer and eventual celebrity, but through her small personal victories as well through support from her family and friends, and what surely must have been mountains of personal determination, Jacqueline's life became etched into the history books. And not just for her mink coats and blonde hair and incredible performances, though those are worth noting as well. I adore all the photographs of her. But for her love for others and her love for herself... You know, she went down the path less traveled and paved the way for all those who came after her. Just through walking through life, she was able to make queer history. 
And one of my favorite quotes that she says is this one, and I'll read it to you now. A sentiment that is found all throughout our project with Devenir Femme is the idea that just by existing, queer people have the ability to change the world. This idea is rooted in the fact that by living and thriving in a world that wants you to be ashamed and erased, you are performing your own subtle revolution. And when asked what her favorite song of all time is, her response was, of course, it is Je ne regrette rien by Edith Piaf. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> I just love her so much. That is the life of Jacqueline Charlotte Dufresnoy, also known as Coccinelle. I hope you enjoyed that. It's not a particularly long story, but it's a very beautiful and profound and inspiring story for sure. I will be sure to put loads of pictures up on the Patreon and what I can up on the Instagram and Facebook so that you can see Coccinelle in all her glory. Thank you so much for listening today. Please check out the socials. Make sure you've liked us on Facebook and Instagram if you haven't already. If you haven't had a chance yet, don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate and review our precious little controversy podcast. Uh, it really does make a massive difference to our reach out in the podcast world. And it only takes two seconds. So thank you to everyone that's already done that. But yes, thank you from me. You will be hearing from me very soon. Take care of one another in these crazy times. And I've said it before and I'll say it a few hundred times again. But pay for your porn. Don't fake your orgasms. And I will see you next Tuesday.